Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And in three, two, and one. This week, this, 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 this week, this week, this, 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 this week. This week in Geek. This week in Geek, we talk about Funko Bobs, Valorant, and the Anime Awards. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to This Week in Geek. This is the second week in March. Um, I don't know why that's relevant, but it is. Um, and yeah, we're. I don't know where I'm going with that. Let's just pretend I said something cool or funny or relevant. But yeah, how you doing, Kevin? How's your week been with the geeky things and the non-geeky things, I guess? Oh, oh yeah, I gotta, I gotta remember what I did this week besides work. Uh... <laughs> that's a uh, good question uh let's see this week i worked uh now besides working um i did oh yeah i uh i casted for uc berkeley for a little bit Ooh. um i went to uc berkeley i was able to cast some of the berkeley legends valorant championships tournament in other words um it is like the riot affiliate at uc berkeley they were holding like a little little tournament um and i told them like hey uh if you need a caster let me know and they're like yeah sure well just come through and then they 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 my my current connection to uc berkeley completely Mm. forgot to mention to them that i've been doing this for like years now (laughs) and like they're like yeah yeah it's just some casual guy and i come in and i'm like you know suit bow tie (laughs) that's like the typical like kanashi attire and mm. they're like, damn, I didn't expect this guy to show up. And I'm like, hey, what's up? Like, I'm here to cast. And they're like, yeah, you're going to do great. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> okay. And like, I go on the mic, I kill it. <laughs> and I'm like, nice. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, if I knew it was more casual, I would have dressed down a little bit. But I was like, I mean, you always got to dress to impress. Uh, but yeah, I. That that's one thing that I've been like debating. It's like for some some events I should probably like dress down because for for Unite it's become a staple that like I show up in a bow tie. Like people mm-hmm. know me as the guy who's like dressed up that way. And that's fine. But like I can't go out to like a regular place and then like some people are just like the the bow tie and you look different. I'm like, yeah. I don't I don't wear the suit all day, guys. <laughs> like they, yeah, I mean, they, besides your so brand, funny. you're also an actual person cuz like so like even though you're like you're branding yourself with the bow tie and the suit, like that's not you 24/7. You don't like sleep in your yeah. bow tie, do you? Do people expect yeah. that you do? I I don't. <laughs> so uh it it's really funny when like I let people know I'm like, "Hey, I'm wearing regular clothes. So if you happen to see me, hit me <laughs> up." And they're like, "Okay." But yeah, that, that's what I did. I, I casted some Valorant this weekend. Um, was able to cast a little bit of Lotus, which is the newest map. Um, it's taking me a little bit 
of getting used to because the, it is a three site map. So there's like three places where you could plant. Uh, but the game starts getting a little bit different. It's a little, little interesting. So uh, interested in seeing how that how that's going to end up playing out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, just pretty much just trying to chill, uh, have a couple of unite things, uh, later down the line, but that's about it. Uh, what, what about you, Matt? How's your week? How's everything going? My week's been pretty good. Um, so Friday, I, uh, I went to a magic show on a date, which was pretty cool. Um, the first act was a friend of mine. So like. He was fun. He he did a very good job. He was very entertaining, very good warm up. Um, he was very funny, and like, there there were kids at the show too. So it's like he's very family friendly. The second act, um, I didn't really like. It's weird because like from the second that they came on, they came out wheeling this cart, and it's like, oh god, these folks are Filipino, aren't they? And then I think it's a husband and wife, and I don't I. I really don't know why this was part of the act, but like half the time it's just the wife singing, like doing her karaoke thing while the husband kind of stands around and then maybe do, does a trick or two. Um, and it's just like, uh, the tricks were cool and all, but I really could have done without your wife's kind of awful karaoke singing. I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's a thing that Filipinos really think that they're good at singing but in general, they're not like me. I I know that I'm not the best singer. I know that, and I it's in our it. genes. It's just like if if there is a microphone and no words <sighs> going over the song, we must fill it. I know, but it's like some people really shouldn't. Yeah. Have you heard of There's the My the Way Killings? Yeah. Oh, have you no. heard of the My Way Killings? I have. Okay. Okay. So for those of you who haven't, um. The the song My Way by Frank Sinatra apparently is banned in bars across the Philippines that do karaoke because apparently all the Filipinos there think they can do it properly. They think they can sing My Way and get it right. But apparently it none of them can do it to the to the standard of the other people singing. So they'll like, No, you can't you can't sing it and then they'll fight over it and then eventually someone or multiple people will die because they are disagreeing on who can actually sing my way to karaoke. So that's a thing. But anyway, yeah, if you, if you know any Filipinos, then you know that they, um, karaoke is a thing. And it's like, the funny thing is, is that this woman was singing songs that, um, that my, my aunt or my, grandparents or, or people who would, like when i go to family reunions they would sing those same songs so it's like oh god it really just is the same repertoire of songs no matter what filipino lady is singing them it's not good yeah. it, there's like what 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 are the staple ones that like everybody goes to right um like for sure impossible like, the dream one that you, yeah that's a big you, one you have to close with don't stop believing right that's oh of course arnel pineda yeah filipino. <laughs> Um, there's a lot of ABBA, a lot of ABBA songs. Yes. Okay, so I I know karaoke started in Japan, but like, how big is it actually in Japanese culture? Because you see it in animes all the time. Um, and I know that karaoke bars are a thing. So like, in your experience, Kevin, how big is karaoke? It's kind of like going out to the arcades in a way. It's more of like a, I wouldn't say it's a pastime. It's not something that like everybody does. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is like a thing that you would do after school to like hang out with people, you know? Um, okay. It, it it's also like a good first like date thing because it like it's a <laughs> socializing. It really, no, like if you're bad at singing, don't don't do this. <laughs> but like <laughs> there's a reason why there's karaoke and stuff like that included in round one. Because that is a part of like the services that they would they would give if you are like at if you were in Japan, you know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, they they do their thing, and they had a dog with them that kind of did some jumping tricks, which like okay, you win cute points for the dog, but overall it's like, mm. and and they they said in their introduction that they um went on AGT, and there's a reason why they didn't win AGT. <laughs> There's there's clearly like, okay, you, you no. No, you would not have won the golden buzzer. I would not have you're not a million dollar act. But anyway, and then the um the last act was a guy who was actually really good. He did a lot of really cool coin magic. Um, but it kind the show got kind of ruined because at one point he was um he was going into the audience for volunteers for his thing. Oh, I need to go back backtrack. But um my friend Liam brought me up for his act and he was doing a thing where there were four of us there and then we would all like he said draw a picture of like your dream or whatever so like something that you you kind of want to achieve a goal you have so i drew something like everybody drew something and then we all handed them back to him and like he was he wasn't looking allegedly he wasn't looking because he was in front of us and like facing the opposite direction and then so he would look at all the pictures and kind of guess okay is this your is this your drawings is your drawings is your drawing and then i was the last one left and he's like okay so obviously like this last one is your drawing i haven't looked at it but let me see if i can guess what it is and then he drew it and like he drew the same thing that i drew so i think i might have a kind of an idea of how it went i'm not going to say because i don't want to be proven horrendously wrong or just say anything about it but um it was fun like he like he got he he did the trick. It worked magically. It was perfect, um, and it was fun because I was also on a date. I think it was our first date. No, it was our second date. Second date. Um, but so this this la- this last guy who was performing, he went into the audience to look for um, volunteers, and this one guy. I don't know if he was drunk or whatever. Um, and again, this is a family show. There's kids in the audience, so this guy's like very loudly saying, "Oh, pick my friend in the back. Pick my friend in the back." And then, like, the friend in the back kind of didn't want to go, but he, like, he said, I'll go if my friend goes. So he brings both these two very loud, very large men up. And the guy is, like, when, when he was saying, he was debating whether or not to actually bring those guys up. He's, like, you know, when someone calls out someone's name, that's usually a good sign to not pick that person. But I think I'm going to do it this one time. It was It was clearly a mistake because these two guys are just, like, one, they're, they're just very sweaty, large men. So they were saying, hey, uh, can I get some water? Or like, you're going to sweat too if we're sweating up here. Um, but the trick he was doing was escaping out of a straitjacket. And he, what he needed them to do is to like prove that the straitjacket is tough material and to put him in the straitjacket. And this like, the guy who called his friend out to go up there who got drawn back with him was just an absolute dick. Like he kept like just fucking around on stage. And like, there's a part where he has to like, thread the one of the um the straps of the straight jacket like between the guy's legs and he kept pulling and pulling and pulling and um kevin have you ever had to like wear something in between your legs that is not comfortable yeah imagine like a very large man just 
repeatedly pulling on that strap. Does that sound yeah, pleasant no. to you? That's, that's, yeah. Stop flossing my nuts. <laughs> exactly. And it's like he kept doing it, and the guy was like, clearly very uncomfortable by it and he's like oh hey like maybe i might have to like call my lawyer after this because it's like he's being violated on stage by this idiot and then in the audience people are like hey it's a kid's there's kids here this is a family show what are you doing um and that, that really kind of put a damper on otherwise a very fun like very good act this guy had like for the most part, he was like really funny, really engaging, and it was a great show. But these two idiots in the audience thought, let's be funny and like play with these guys' balls and make him feel pain. So that was my Friday. And then on Saturday, I had another date with another person and I went to go get coffee and then mostly just did work at home. And then on Sunday, I went to um, the Gentle Barn, which they have a couple of locations, but what they are is they are um rescue farm organizations where they'll they'll take um animals that are either either abused or they're meant to go to a slaughter home and they'll try to save them and like raise them on their farm and then they give tours to help raise money to care for all these animals it was really cool i'd been there before for when i was working for the the newspaper out here to cover stories but i'd never been there just as a guest um so it was great to just like take my time and go around and i got to hug a cow and i got to feed some horses some carrots which was really cool horses are really slobbery they're very very slobbery and then on like the pop culture side i think the only pop culture thing i did was i started ted lasso have you seen it kevin no my well i watched like two episodes my my mom was really into it so what did you think of the two episodes you've seen i thought it was i thought it was pretty interesting in terms of like the plot Mm -hmm. it's like you know, you know, high, intentionally throwing to make something worse. It's like kind of like a right. revenge plot in that matter. But like, mm-hmm. I guess it's just the outlook of Ted Lasso that makes him like that optimistic, like ray of right. sunshine that exactly that people love. So I think I think he was this character of Ted Lasso was just based on like an ad, right? Like a a series of ads, kind of like what happened with um, what's it called? Space Jam, hmm. if I'm correct. That's what I've heard about it. I have not bothered to go actually look it up. But because um, I think it's based on an NBC character. So I think it was a bunch of NBC ads. But um, pretty much the story of Ted Lasso is he's a, an American football player, um, not player, American football coach who's recruited by um, a, a British football team, which is soccer for us Americans, um, to coach them and the reason why he's recruited even though he has no idea anything about soccer slash football is because the owner of the club wants him to ruin their um, pretty much keep the club losing so she can get back at her ex who used to own the club and that's like that was his entire life um, but the, the main draw of the show is that like like Kevin said Ted Lasso is just very optimistic like the way I described it is he's um, aggressively and like very ruthlessly and sickeningly optimistic and and positive, and I think that's like what people like about the show is that it's like a very warm, happy, feel good show, and it's like it's very funny, and it it feels good just to watch it. It's like I'm I'm obsessed with this show. This is my current favorite show, and the next season comes out literally a week from today. So I am on season two now, and I've just been 
binging it whenever I can, and that has been my pop culture consumption of the week. I love the show, but not enough to actually learn the rules of football slash soccer. (laughs) Anyway, let's get into the news of the week, shall we? Okay, Kevin, so Funko Pops, what do you know about them? What are your thoughts on them? Uh, I have a lot of Overwatch ones that I do want to like sell. Um, mm-hmm. I used to collect them because it's really, it, it was just a nice background fill. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, I think I think they're okay. They're not great. They, it it's more of just like for people who who like the property, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's me when I when I collect them. Um, I just kind of buy things that I like. Like I think, what what's your favorite one that you have so far? Ooh, okay. Uh, I have a helmetless Rhine uh, Funko Pop that was only sold at, I think it was Best Buy. Hmm, okay. Uh, it's, it's it's a really nice one. See, Rhine is one of the few that I don't have that I really want. They never got around to making a Sigma one, which made me sad. But um, Rhine was the one that I like. I had a couple opportunities to buy it, but I just never did. And now I'm sad that I didn't take the opportunity. Um, but I think my, I have a couple that are signed that I really like, but I think my favorite one is just my Alex Trebek one that I got after he died just because Jeopardy has been one of my favorite things to watch on TV. And I have a lot of good memories of one just like competing in like school Jeopardy class tournament things or just watching the show or just, I don't know. I like trivia. So I think Alex Trebek's one is probably my favorite that I own right now. Um, but yeah, so the Funko organization just revealed that they are dumping millions of dollars worth of excess inventory that they have. Kevin, guess how much money they're dumping worth of of merchandise that they have that's unsold? Like how much? How much money? How much money is this? Like, like collectively, the the inventory that they have that they're dropping. Guess how much it's worth. Hmm. Pro- okay. Let let let's just let's just say like a nice ballpark. Let's say like twenty thousand dollars. Twenty thousand dollars worth of, of inventory sure. is your final guess. Yeah, you're close. You're close. Um, according to a press release by Funko, um, approximately thirty to thirty-six million. So you were what? close. <laughs> $30 million? On the low end, it's $30 million. High end is $36 million. Are they that bad? <laughs> like, well, the thing is, is this is all like just unsold property that they have. Like, according to Funko, at the end of last year, they're on, they had $246 million of um, inventory by the end that was unsold. So they, that might be like... They can't like recycle that? I don't know. I think I don't know. I think they're trying to get maybe a tax write off or something by by maybe getting rid of it. I don't know. They're dumping it. They're getting rid of it. But some people think that it could be donated instead to like uh, not not shelters, but like kids in need, like underprivileged kids, or like given to shops that might need the the revenue boost. Which I mean, 
Funko Pops have definitely lost a lot of their popularity. I still kind of like them. I haven't bought one in a very long time. I like looking at them, but I think the reason why I haven't bought one is just because, like, I haven't found one recently that kind of speaks to me that would make me want to buy it. Like, I'm not really a fan of any of the properties that I've seen them making things for. Um, I mean, if I saw a Ted Lasso one at this point, I'd probably buy it. Just, mm-hmm. again, because it's it's my current pop culture obsession. Or if they had any Sandman ones that were coming out, I would definitely pick one up because I do love Sandman. I I love the character of death especially, so I would definitely pick those up. But like currently, for me, there's nothing that I would really want. I'm looking at some more financials. Um, last year, quarter four, 2022, the company reported a $47 million loss, which is a, a big negative considering that the year before, in 2021, they had a $17 million profit. Yeah, that's crazy. From from $17 million in profit, that's not even just breaking even, that's profit to a uh-huh. $47 million loss. And in order to help offset this, they're losing, they're going to be lay, laying off 10% of the workforce in addition to dumping that excess inventory. Um, and I, I, I mean, I think part of it might be that like according to this article by NPR um, during pandemic collectibles sales shot up a lot Um, even in like 2022 collectible sales were up 24% um, because people are still I mean 2022 we kind of got back more into the the normal way of things we were coming more out of COVID um, restrictions and whatever but like people were at home they wanted to like get stuff or or have things to occupy them. So collectible market, whatever. Um, And adults are are primarily, of course, the people who are buying these things. So there is a lot of disposable inventory, not inventory, but disposable, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Income, that's the word. It also starts with an I. Um, Disposable income that goes into these things that adults like to have. but I'm. I, it's it's weird that Funko is losing this much because they're such a big part of the, um, that collectible space. There, I think they are the biggest brand right there right now. During that um, that COVID boom era, according to NPR, Funko posted over one billion dollars in net sales for 2021, which is a 58 percent increase over 2020. So this is a a huge, huge like change in their fortunes, I guess, as people are um I guess transitioning out of their isolationist, I need to buy something to occupy my time kind of thing. Maybe as the economy changes, people are not spending as much on just on on, on these kind of things or they're trying to declutter. Because I mean, as much as I do love some of the Funko Pops that I've collected, they're kind of just sitting there in my garage at this point. I like, I don't have the space for them, you know? Um, as a side note, Kevin, guess what the, um, the most expensive Funko sale to date is. Okay. And guess what, guess what pops they are. Okay. Okay. Let's just say that it's gotta be a big series something, right? Let's just say, Okay, I want to start with 
thinking that it's a big, bigger side Funko Pop. So mm-hmm. retail, it'd be around like 30 bucks, like on, on its own. Uh, in a case, so it's about 50, and then it's signed by like two or three people, right? <laughs> okay, okay. And then, it, and, and then it's got to jump up. So I'm saying like, maybe... I mean, maybe the signatures it, in the collectible market are, are a huge thing. If you get something signed, it bumps up the value astronomically. Yeah, it's got to be it's got to be like a crazy signature, I think. Okay. Hmm. I don't think that this is a Funko Pop, but I do think it would get the money. Okay. If it, if it exists, okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Let, let me let me make sure I get this right. Okay. A mobile meth lab bus Funko Pop signed by Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul. Oh, that would be an that would be a really good one. But I don't okay. I don't think that they have that as a Funko Pop. I don't think the mobile oh, no, meth I've lab. Seen it. I've seen it. Oh, it, it is? Exists. It the crystal okay. ship. It exists. That's that's a okay. real one that I've seen. I would think so, that that would be a big one. But how how much would you say that it would cost then? How much would that it sale be? Exist. I would say like maybe like 2500 okay 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 it's well done so here is here's the actual what the actual thing is um it is a golden ticket two pack of willy wonka and an oompa loompa and i think it comes with a an actual golden ticket but the reason why this one is is so valuable i guess is because i think only let me let me get the actual number here um, only 10 of these two pack figures or these figure two packs were ever given out. Only four of them were given to people in San Diego Comic-Con, um, to people who had golden tickets they'd found inside candy bars at Comic-Con in 2016. The other six are believed to have been given to, um, employees or family friends of people who worked at Funko. So really they're only like, this is a very, very rare, uh, set of Funko Pops. Guess how much this sold for? Okay, it's super rare. Mm-hmm. It there's only like essentially there's only four of them out, right? Four pretty much four only known. Only four known. Only four. Um, and, and out of ten, out of out of those the ten total that were um that exist, only two are still known to have the golden ticket. Which I believe Ooh. this one actually did have the golden ticket with it. Okay. Uh God, I still want to say it's in that like I want to say it's still in that high like thousands range. Maybe maybe like 5k. You're it's got to be more than yeah. an NFT. I mean, of <laughs> course. It's it's this is a this is actually physical and real. Like it's not a, yeah. just a stupid PDF that you can say that you own. <laughs> you were close at 5000. Um the 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 sale was made for a hundred thousand. <laughs> what the? And, okay. and this guy paid in cash. In cash. He paid like I'm looking at the photo right now of the sale. He paid in cash. That's crazy. Yeah. It's a, according to the Funko community, 
This is the biggest sale that's ever been made in Funko. I think part of it is is that the reason why maybe he did this is because, I mean, for a while, Funko was really big. Like, it was the, again, it's the, still the biggest player in the collectible market. But, like, people were flipping them and, and selling them. Like, there's a there's a store out here um, in Santa Clarita called Pop Cave. Literally, at one point, I mean, they've expanded their stuff a little bit. But at one point, like, they were only selling Funko Pops. And, and I guess they were doing well enough that they were able to move locations twice into better and better located areas with more space and more foot traffic. So, I mean, the market was is big enough. At least it was at one point. But now it yeah. looks like they are they are in a bit of a downturn. I don't know if maybe they're just they were just overestimating what their sales were, or they were just producing too much of certain properties. Like pretty much all I ever see now for Funko is maybe like is is mostly like the um the Star Wars stuff. Star Wars has been one of their like main franchises and it can I think it continues to be, but it's just like, yes, I like Star Wars. But not that much that like everything has to be like a Star Wars purchase. I will say I do like the Grogu ones from The Mandalorian. Oh, that's another thing I watched. The Mandalorian. It just came out new season. But yeah, that's what's happening with Funko. That's a that's a. I hope the company can do okay. I still want to visit the um the headquarters in or not the headquarters, but they have a Funko like. I guess it's a headquarters in LA next to the Pantages theater. And like last time I tried to go in, they were closed, but I'm going to the Pantages again in two weeks to go see um, Lion King. So hopefully I'll get a chance to see it then, but yeah, hard times for Funko. So moving on, um, this is a story that I saw and I just wanted to talk about it because I like food. Um, and I was thinking of Ratatouille at the time, and then I saw the story. But um, apparently, they're one of the best chefs in the world. Who I mean, I've personally never heard of because I don't know many food figures outside of who pops up in the Food Network. But Guy Savoy, who according to CNN is one of the world's best chefs, lost one of his three Michelin stars. Um, his restaurant, um, I'm gonna butcher this pronunciation, Monet de Paris got a third got its three Michelin stars in 2022 and held onto those three stars for two decades. Um, and it's consistently listed on as one of the best restaurants in Paris, but according to Michelin group that they're removing one of his three stars and it's going to be downgraded to just a two star restaurant, which I mean, is still very impressive. Uh, cause considering most restaurants will never have a Michelin star or even be Michelin recognized. Um, so that's happening. Uh, the interesting thing is, I, I mean, at least on this article, I don't see why it's losing a star. Uh, in 2019, there's another, um, chef whose name is Mark Verat. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that properly or not. I'm probably not. Uh, but he was the first chef to ever sue Michelin because he said that when he lost one of his stars, it impacted his restaurant negatively. Like people didn't want to go there as much. He lost sales because of it. He didn't win that lawsuit because he said the court that he, that was adjudicating his case said that he couldn't prove definitively that the downgrade caused him financial damage. 
According to this article, the decision to take away his star was, quote, said to be down to the cheese used in the souffle. It came down to a cheese? The cheese he used in his souffle. Okay. <laughs> Which is just, like, so stupid and seems so arbitrary, considering that, like, most people who eat there probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference between a good cheese and a bad cheese. I mean, they might because a lot of them are probably food snobs. But, like, to the average person eating this, this it probably still tastes amazing. Um, so... Guy Savoy is losing one of his stars. Um, but I mean, it's just, it seems so. It, it just listening to that kind of thing, what, what I wanted to bring up, Kevin, is it like the concept of a cheese in a souffle not being up to the standard of some random person who is making this decision. It's like, it, it seems so pretentious, you know? Like, it makes. Like, haute cuisine just seems so much more out of reach and out of touch with, like, everyday people. Like, have you seen the movie The Menu? I haven't seen it yet. I still want to see it, though. It's You you should absolutely see it. It's so good. And it really does a good job of critiquing why this kind of, I mean, the, the foodie culture that's arisen within maybe the past, I would say maybe 20 years. I don't quote me on that because I'm not as much as I do like food studies I'm not really aware of the cultural rise of the celebrity chef but I mean that concept I think it's probably probably brought about by social media and people wanting to show off the food that they're eating or show that they're living the kind of this high class life by eating all this expensive luxurious food but I mean I feel like what has definitely happened and what that film is depicting is that food culture became less about eating the food and enjoying it and more of showing off that you could both afford to eat it and what you're eating, you know? And it's just mm -hmm. like, it's so funny how much stock we put or like these restaurants will put into like the Michelin star because while it is like a big, I guess a big honor in the world of food, like literally it was just created by the Michelin tire company to, get people to buy more tires by driving out to all these restaurants to go to eat at them. You know, it was a yeah. sales tactic and now we still care so much about it. I will say that there is one restaurant that I've been to that doesn't necessarily have a Michelin star, but it has been Michelin recognized. There's a place um, that's a Persian restaurant in, um, Glendale, I think I want to say Glendale or Pasadena down here. Um, it's called Rafi's place that is Michelin recognized. I don't think that's the same thing as having a Michelin star, but I mean, the, I, I knew nothing about this restaurant going in. I just knew my friends wanted to go. So we went and as I'm leaving, um, I just kind of look at to, on the, on a wall, there's like this little plaque that says Michelin recognized restaurant, which is like, huh? Okay. Apparently, I mean, this restaurant Iron Man stopped very by fancy. and liked the food. <laughs> Pretty much, that's it. Um, I think it was the what, what? What movie was it? I think it was Burnt with Bradley Cooper. I think that's the restaurant, not the restaurant, the movie, where it's like they make this whole big deal about like the Michelin rating diner coming in or whatever. But 
I don't know. It's something that I thought was interesting and I wanted to talk about. Losing a Michelin star is apparently big enough to make news with CNN, which apparently a lot of things are big enough to make news with big organizations like CNN, like the stupid Jake Paul fight, which, I mean, I got to watch Jake Paul get beaten down in the clips of that, so I wasn't too mad, but, you know, I think there's other things that CNN could be talking about besides the Michelin star loss. But hey, it gives us it gives us things to talk about. Um, now, kind of transitioning between my stuff and your stuff, Kevin. Um, tell me what you know about this AI generated anime that came. All out I recently. did was I watched the the thing. I, I watched the trailer thing for it, and I was like, "This does not seem good." <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh. But yeah, that, I I only I only watched it for the uh, j- just for the animation that it started with, you know. Yeah, yeah. So apparently, this company called Corridor Digital, um, they're a Los Angeles production studio. Oh, that Corridor creates, Digital, I know them. Yeah, they they make um bunch of different YouTube videos, but yeah, they yeah. came out with this AI generated seven minute video called anime rock paper scissors um and it pretty much just looks like they plugged in castlevania into an ai generator and said make me make me a a, an anime and it, it doesn't look good it's still i mean as closely as it did get to capturing the aesthetic of castlevania it's this still got that uncanny valley. It's still not quite there. Like there's still kind of like little twitches or or weird parts of the design that you can tell that you can very much tell that it's it's AI. Like um, mm-hmm. there's there's an image for or not an image, but there's a Facebook post that I've been seeing going around and around for this um dinosaur experience in LA, and a lot of people are are saying, why would I go to that? You can't even get your art right because they clearly used an AI generator to create their promotional image for it. And they didn't even like stop to check it because it's like, it has, it ha- the dinosaur has four legs, but it's like one of the legs is on the wrong side of the body. And where one of the legs should be, it's just a weird random stump. And it's like, mm-hmm. what happened to the third leg? And someone's like, that's not a third leg or, or some, some okay. weird shit. People clowning on it because AI is not at the level where it's reliable enough to make like art that looks good and makes sense every single time um and the reason why it's like it's it's making headlines is because a lot of people feel like this is one this is still potentially a danger to traditional animators who put the art the life and like have made this their craft and actually make good anime um because i mean again it very, very closely copied the style of the Netflix Castlevania anime. But also people are saying that, like, it's just honestly disrespectful. Aside from being a threat to their art, it's disrespecting what makes it special. Um, I just, I don't understand why we're putting so much money into AI. I get that, like some aspects of AI can be very helpful, 
Like there's a there's a program I use, or and I know a lot of journalists use when we're um, transcribing our stories. It's called Otter.ai, which obviously the AI there tells you what it is. But what it does is it takes interview audio and transcribes it. Not perfectly. It's it's very very finicky, and you have to go through and like you have to edit the transcript to make sure it it's accurate. But it's a very good and very helpful head start. Most of it is accurate, except for a little hiccup, a few hiccups here and there, because it's again it's a robot that's trying to learn the speech and and write it down for you. So yes, there are instances where I will admit that AI is very helpful. I think that I, I don't see where putting AI into making art is helpful at all because it's not art. It's, it's just buggy copying of other people's work in their style. And mm-hmm. again, it's like you, you get shit like this, which just, it looks really, it looks like you tried to copy Castlevania and you did poorly at it and you weren't talented enough to like clean up the little funny details and, and make it actually look good. Um, I don't think that we're at the level where we really have to worry about um, AI making the next anime awards winning yeah. anime of the year yet. But if we keep going down the path, I think it could be an actual worry with once AI like gets these kinks ironed out. I hope that we stop investing in AI way before this, but just with the way that stupid tech bros are, you know that they're just going to keep funding this and funding this and funding this until there's no more funding to be had. Yeah. The the thing that I, I was reading about this, and I, I know like Corridor Digital and like their style overall, but um, they're more of a VFX company. Mm-hmm. And like knowing knowing them and like making something like this, I don't think that this is their intention. This is well, essentially they said, like they don't feel like there's anything unethical about what they're doing with this. Because if anything, this is just rotoscoping. The two actors who are in it, I guess, are the two people who run Corridor Digital. So I feel like they they either ran this through a filter, and like if they ran it through the AI and said like, "Oh, make it like Castlevania," like that would be pretty like like it it shows the limitation of what ai can do mm-hmm. and it's very very apparent and i think that was kind of their point it was just saying like ai is not going to ever replace like these creators these people who like want to create something that would look way better than this um but if anything like corridor digital is just letting people know like we are not there yet <laughs> like 100 percent, we are not this is not going to replace 2d animation okay. and like if anything it's if anything ai is a tool that will be used to kind of maybe get an idea up there but it should never be the final product and that that is what they're specifically showing uh with with this specific thing here Okay. So the, the the director for Castlevania claimed that when after he saw this, he said that quarter digital are lazy thieves spitting on an entire art form. Um, and he dismisses their claim that AI is just one step towards true creative freedom. 
he said, when AI dudes say democratize, they just mean steal and exploit, which currently looks like I, I would I would agree is true because there there's no protection and AI folks don't really want any protection because then they have no way to feed their their machines to learn. Um, the co-creator of Toonami, Jason DeMarco, said this absolutely sucks. Um, Ralph Bakshi, who, I mean, you brought up rotoscoping, but Ralph Bakshi is legendary for his use of rotoscope in his films like Fritz the Cat and the 1978 Lord of the Rings animated film, which I honestly, like, I know people love them, but I, I hate Bakshi's work. I think it's all creepy and weird, and I, I don't like it. But anyway, he didn't, he just said no comment because people were, like you said, they were comparing uh, rotoscoping to what AI is doing because it's a, it's a new technology that's being used in animation. Um, and again, I think Bakshi's work is kind of eh, despite how people think he's legendary. But Corridor Digital said that, um, or what's it, how do you, I don't know how to pronounce this name, but one of the guys from Corridor Digital said, I see potential for tools like these to let animators let this process propagate their ink and color easily across an entire shot, for example. It's potential like that that gets me excited about this tech and why we do these experiments in the first place. So I, I, I agree, I guess you're saying, with what you're saying that he's claiming that we're not quite there yet, but I can see these kinds of guys down the line kind of abusing the technology when it gets there and there's not yeah, much um that's what i'm afraid of consideration like, for the artist at all yeah that's that's what i'm afraid of later down the line it's like if this isn't like regulated it can take away quite a bit um especially from the creatives and like the people who actually pour you know their livelihood into creating something that is brilliant like right. this um but for now, it's literally just like the small tool that like if, for example, if like I can't draw, but I want to get a vision out. I know that a lot of people are like, well, then just draw it or hire somebody to draw it. But if you could give them like a good canvas to start with, it might be like an interesting like tool that people can have access to. Um, but. I don't think we're there yet. We're we're clearly mm -hmm. like really far away from it. Um and yeah. this if anything is just proof of it. Like we're not quite we're we're not there yet and I don't think that like I don't know if we'll ever be able to get to the point where this could replace somebody. Mhm. Mm I mean imagine like a film that normally takes you years to do if you're doing it right, some tech bro idiot can do in like a fraction of that time. And like I I oh man can you imagine what it must be like like kevin put yourself in the shoes of the folks that not not even just the director but the folks that sat and animated castlevania and then you just see this this video online that apes your style and just does it does it well enough so that you can tell it looks like it's like people are relating it to castlevania but also is just like so janky that it's kind of insulting yeah, I, I could I could understand that. It's just like it it doesn't look right. And if anything, like it it kind of shows if if anything it shows how impressive 
you know, it, it shows how impressive Castlevania was. Mm-hmm. And if, if anything, they're just trying to like, I don't, I don't want to justify the use of the AI here, but it it's not there. Like, you you know that creators who take their time to create something like beautiful, it it turns out to be great. It's you know it's the reason why we still talk about cancel uh, Castlevania like this, and we don't really talk too much about you know this corridor digital video mm-hmm. unless it's like in our way, you know. Right. Right. Well, the last story that I have is it's a fun, it's a it's a fun one. I'm happy about this. I'm excited about this. But we previously talked about like Spirited Away, the um the stage production which was recorded is coming to the U.S. We finally have the dates for that. Um, it's coming to select cities on April 23rd and 27th. At least for me, um, the 23rd, which is a Sunday, they have a 4 p.m. show, and the 27th they have a uh, 7 p.m. show um we i made kevin wait while i sat and i bought my tickets right before we started recording but i do have two tickets to this i'm so excited to finally see it because um i've I've already explained several times that spirited away is my favorite miyazaki film and i'm just so excited to see how they use all the puppets to bring the show to life I'm, i'm so stoked so yeah, go buy your tickets online. You have to go through Fandango, unfortunately. But it's there. Go. <laughs> Is this something that you're prob- you're going to try to go see, Kevin? Mm, I mean, I feel like it would be cool. Um, definitely have to see what it looks like. It is closer to my birthday. Uh, uh-huh. So... We'll, we'll we'll see how the tickets go and uh and what it would end up looking like you know oh interesting um the depending on which day you go they have different recordings with different actresses playing Chihiro. Hmm. okay so if you go on uh and this is also the very first time it's screened in north america but i don't know if this means anything to anybody but if you go on April 23rd, apparently you're going to see a performance with Kana Hashimoto. And if you go on the 27th, you're going with Mone Kamishiraishi, I think. I'm, going, I'm sorry, Kevin, that I butchered your, your, mother, your native cultural ancestral tongue. <laughs> oh, it's fine. But yeah, um, go watch this screening. If you want to, no pressure. I'm going. I'm going to love it every second of it. Even if it's bad, I'm going to rationalize in my brain that it's good. <laughs> anyway, Kevin, tell us about games and animes. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and transition. Uh, let's start with the gaming. Uh, the gaming is kind of kind of big right now. Um, so let, let's talk. First, about a new game that is slowly joining into the fray. Uh, let's talk about Omega Strikers. Um, Omega Strikers was in beta for a little bit. Um, for those of you guys who were playing on PC, if you guys don't know what Omega Strikers is, it is a MOBA 
style game, but it's like air hockey. It's like you're you're playing air hockey with MOBA abilities. Oh, it sounded um, like soccer to me, but air hockey makes sense. It yeah, it's it's more of a top down view uh, as you continue on through the game. But yeah, it was like first to I think it was like first to five. Um, that's how Omega Strikers ended up playing out. There was a huge like turnout for the beta, so. A lot of players, including myself, played a couple games of Omega Striker. Some people grinded the ladder, you know, and they uh, they wanted to play uh, quite a bit. But right now, it is currently uh, it's currently being built. It's it's getting ready for uh, some of these bigger. How, how can I say? It's it's getting ready for its full release. Um, and they are also testing out new platforms to play it on. So hmm. uh, the beta was only available. It was free. But it was only available on uh, PC, so a lot of players just played on PC, tried to ha- uh, hash out the rest of it. Um, but yeah, uh, the the answer is that uh, Omega Strikers is going to be on PC, uh, the Nintendo Switch, and other consoles as well. We we might see it on Xbox and uh, PS4. We don't know, but Switch for sure, um, and mobile. So if you guys have have a phone, you guys can play it. Um, Right now, it's currently in the pre-registration form. Um, so a lot of players are starting to pre-reg and get ready for it. Um, so that is uh, very interesting to see how it, how it plays out there. One second, Kevin. Look at your, look at your messages and look, look, at, look at what I mean when I said that the, the leg of the dinosaur is not on the right side. Okay. Uh, Quite literally, it's on yeah. the left side. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It, it's got a nub and no leg attached to it. That leg's just like floating on the wrong side of the, its body. On um, Yeah. I don't think we, like, I don't think we have to worry about AI quite yet, but we're getting to the point where it's almost something that we might have to possibly worry about potentially. Yeah. Anyway, continue. I just wanted to share if it, that, that if, if it learns which there. side uh, a leg is supposed to go on, maybe basic um, anatomy. If it learns basic yeah. anatomy, we're in trouble. Oh yeah, then then we're we're screwed. Learns how to use. It learns that hands have five five fingers on it. We're we're done. Um, but overall, yeah, uh, Omega Strikers, brand new, uh, slowly starting to make its way into uh, like kind of the esports realm. Um, Omega Strikers has also been really. Uh, I I guess I wouldn't say prevalent, but they are working a lot with the uh, college scene quite a bit. So um, they they are trying to make this into an esport and try to get the college students involved quite a bit. Um, they have also asked for esports programs as uh, logos. So if you do play for the school, you end up getting your logo. Um, inside of the game as well, and you could rep it as like a jersey or a flag, um, which is pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, Omega Strikers pre-registration is open right now. If you guys do want to take a shot at it, um, I might learn how to pick it up. I might, I might pick it up. I had a little bit of fun when I was playing, but I don't know if it's enough for me to like learn the whole thing. You know, sounds um, so convincing. <laughs> it is. It is a brand new game that like I have to learn, and that's. That's a whole nother like bag of worms, especially for a caster like myself. 
uh, let's talk about games that I do know a little bit more about. Let's talk about Valorant. Um, did cast this weekend, and we did get a little bit of a sneak peek at the current, uh, the new agent that is coming around the corner. Um, their name is Gecko. Um, it, 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 G-E-K-K-O, Gecko. Um, everybody, everybody loves Gecko for some reason. I, I think, I think it, it's becoming a popular pick. Um, and it is an initiator. So that is, that is going to be a really interesting, uh, build, but, um, essentially Gecko is the newest initiator for Valorant, brand new agent, um, has four abilities. Um, so the, the thing, the way how I describe this is, uh, if the Pokemon trainer was a Valorant agent, this is, this is the agent. Um, you get these little animals that, that come out and they all do little interesting things. And then when they're done, they become an orb that you can pick up. And, uh, if you pick it up, you get to use the ability again. So that's interesting. Um, yeah. So let, let's go into the abilities that it has. Um, the first one is a blue little blob guy. His name is Dizzy. Um, if you throw Dizzy out, it flashes. Uh, your opponents who are still within uh, line of sight of Dizzy. So you can go ahead and throw it up and around and it will it will flash, make it really tough for them to see. Um, and then it turns into a ball when it's all done. Um, Bosch Pit is this green kind of like gooey guy. Uh, when you throw it out, it has a puddle and it has a very delayed reaction. But when it is done and it's... Uh, it, it takes a little bit of time for it to actually pop. But if somebody is within that area, it is considered lethal damage, and it will kill them instantly. Um, <laughs> that that is one of the few, like, insta kill abilities in the game. Um, but it is very predictable, and it takes a very long time for it to actually pop. Um, next is Wingman, which is everybody's favorite little guy right now. Um, Wingman he very has supportive. the. He's literally this little guy. He's like an armadillo. Uh, when they run out, they can plant or defuse the spike, uh, which is like the main objective of the game. So you can you can put them right on top of the spike. It'll go ahead and defuse it. Um, if if you send it out, you if you if you're holding the spike and you use the wingman, uh, the little guy will run out and plant the spike for you. Um, very helpful. Very very helpful little guy. Um, Lots of fan art of of uh, of the little guy right now of uh, of of Wingman, and it's starting to become a crowd favorite. So that's going to be really interesting to see um, how people play it. Um, yeah, and last but not least, the ultimate is called Thrash. Um, it is kind of it's a mix of Killjoy's Lockdown and uh, Sky's Wolf. Um, essentially, it it runs at opponents and if you see them you can leap at them and it will cause them to drop their weapons and get disarmed um during this time like gecko can take advantage of them not not being able to uh not being able to hold their guns right now um so that is going to be a really interesting thing to keep in mind um but yeah uh newest agent still getting ready for the rest of the uh for for its full release, but a lot of people are already on board. I like the idea of Gecko. 
Um, and it's going to be really interesting to see uh, how players really take advantage of the kit. Uh, yeah, so that's going to wrap it up for Gecko. Speaking of new new things being added, um, let's talk about Pokemon Unite. Uh, Pokemon Unite, we had Zacian, which is the sword dog um, from Sword and Shield, join the game. It was busted. It came in and it like killed everybody. It was not fun. Um, so uh, even though we did get the sword doggo literally on the, I think it was the 20, I want to say the 27th. It was on Pokemon Day. We we got we got it on Pokemon Day. Um, literally last night there was an emergency patch that came out, and they said, yeah, Zacian's a little too strong. And a lot of players were like, yeah, he, he was. Thank you. And uh, they realized that they can they can go ahead and fix that. So, um, Wait, you yeah, mean the, a game developer patched their game to be balanced? What? Over yeah, like never. immediately. It, it's kind of cool. Um, it was kind of busted to start. So that's actually a really good good reason why they did it. Um, so I do think that that is going to be part of like how players kind of kind of adjust to it. Uh we did have an emergency patch when Sylveon was dropped initially cuz Sylveon was overtuned. Um so I'm glad that they are able to go ahead and fix that. Um but yeah, uh overall Pokémon Unite nerf Zacian um right before um the Unite Championship qualifiers. So we have quite a bit to look into. Um speaking of Unite Championship qualifiers, that was this weekend. Um, if you were going to play in your regions, uh, yeah, in your region and wanted to qualify for the weekend and qualify for this upcoming weekend, you, you had to play last weekend. A um, lot of interesting teams going through, and uh, it was a really cool experience to see all the teams uh, played together. The top eight teams will be facing off on Saturday. Um, so if you do want to go ahead and check all of that and how it goes uh go ahead and uh feel free to stop by and watch um but yeah that that is it for pokemon unite that is that is the latest stuff that we have uh for for that game all right uh moving on from from uh pokemon unite let's go to our anime section of the night um Let's talk about the Crunchyroll Awards, okay? Um, the the Crunchyroll or the Anime Awards this year were actually held in Tokyo. Um, usually, they are usually, for the past few years, have been held in San Francisco um, at the Crunchyroll headquarters in San Francisco. Um, they've invited out a few people, let them play, um, and just kind of had like a really nice stay-at-home kind of vibe to it because it was during covid but uh we had the anime awards start at 1 30 a.m mm. our time <laughs> so i kind of got home i watched a little bit of it it was very like award show like dress up and like they had all the studio heads there um it looked like an award show it it was it was an award show <laughs> um which, I mean, yeah, cool, but, 
you, you didn't need to go that hard, you know? You could have just let us... I, I like the laid-back feel of the original ones. Um, mm-hmm. It was more catered towards the Twitch audience, but this one feels like it's like, you know, the, the Oscars and the Grammys, and it's like a very suit-and-tie anime award kind of thing uh, going on, which I get it if you really want it for the sake of it being a like a like an award show i i understand but at the same time it feels like it's it's less for the audience and more for the industry and if it is that you should really not make it popular vote um like i i get some people will rep their own like uh their own fandoms and that really shouldn't influence the way how Crunchyroll uh picks their uh their certain shows for these awards in my opinion. Um the other thing that I did criticize Crunchyroll about and I tweeted about it is that there are there's zero absolutely zero representation from fall 2022. Um in other words, any show that came out um in October, November, December, they do not count at all towards this thing, period. Um, some of the notable mentions of fall 2022 are none other than Chainsaw Man, uh, Spy Family Part 2, Blue Lock, Mob Psycho 100 Part 3, uh, The Hero Academy 6, Bochi the Rock, Bleach, um, and, and a bunch of others that should have been in the running. Um, so, uh, we will go over the basic stuff that Crunchyroll did, uh, give the awards to. I'm not going to go down the entire list. I'm just going to go over a couple of them, uh, just to give you guys like the highlights of what they had. Um, the main thing, anime of the year went to Cyberpunk Edgerunners. Um, it beat out Attack on Titan, Demon Slayer, Kimetsu no Yaiba, Entertainment District, uh, Lycoris Recoil, uh osama ranking or ranking of kings and spy family um did it so really that is what i'm i'm debating i feel like every year the anime of the year goes to like somebody who they like they kind of just give it to them it's not necessarily a it it doesn't feel like an academy vote here um Mm -hmm. for example if you want to talk about uh years prior um, in 2022, um, the anime of the year was the Attack on Titan Final Season Part One, which is honestly, it, it sure it's worth it because they actually put in the work. Years prior, I remember, I think it was 2000, 2019, yeah, 2019 when I was there, I was and 2017. Okay, 2017, the first ever uh, Crunchyroll Awards went to Yuri on Ice. And that that year, I was very confused about why that went there. 2019 went to Devilman Crybaby. I mean, and it, Yuri's it beat a out good a... anime. <laughs> okay, Devilman Crybaby is a good anime, but it's not better than Violet Evergarden. Like I was talking about Yuri, and, and oh, granted, what, I had, oh I Yuri on see, Ice. I didn't see anything else that year. I only saw Yuri that year, so oh, okay. I can't actually compare. But I liked it. You can't really compare anything. Uh. <laughs> I think in 2017, it was also the same year of the first Mob Psycho 100, which blew my mind when it first came out. Um, 
and yeah, it, I mean, yeah, it won all the fight scenes that year, but it, it's just there. Uh, Made in Abyss in 2018, that was very good. Um, Kimetsu no Yaiba won in 2022 uh, for the first arc because everybody learned that the Hinokami Kagura was a real thing. Um, and Ufotable is a great company. Um, same thing, Jujutsu Kaisen in 2021 uh, and AOT in this year or last year. Um, it feels like Edge Runners may have like eked its way through, but I still feel like there's a lot of shows that have not that are not in consideration that should have been there. Um, what else is there? Best original anime. Um, this went to Lycoris Recoil. This was a very big. Um, uh, th- this was one that I did consider it actually the the winner here. Um, a lot of the other ones essentially are. They they didn't have enough like pull, um, and they're just kind of here. Best character design going to um Akira Masu- uh, Matsuhima uh for the um for Kimetsu no Yaiba Entertainment arc. Best animation also going to Demon Slayer. Um, best new series going to Spy Family. People like Anya. Um, that's that's a fact. Best continuing series to One Piece. Um, opening sequence went to the Rumbling. Um, for Attack on Titan, best ending sequence is comedy from uh, Spy Family. The best score going to Attack on Titan. Um, yeah, at AOT best film is Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. Um, which I mean, there there really wasn't much else in the run except for uh, you know, One Piece film Red. Um, then best anime song also AOT best directing Demon Slayer. Best main character, Aaron Yeager from AOT. Best supporting character is Anya Forger. And the must-protect character at all costs is also Anya Forger. Um, Anya won two That's awards. That's a category? Yeah. Because, okay, so here's how it used to be. It used to be best boy, best girl. And people would be like, oh, well, best girl is like the waifu material. And so like everybody would always vote like the hot wife character. Uh or like the love interest, right? And so they made a new character. They made a new like category for like a character you must protect at all costs. So like it's like the cutest character essentially. Um, and so Anya won that one. Somehow won best supporting character too. Uh, I thought it should have went to Hayasaka. Um, and if not, Hayasaka should have went to um, should have went to Aki in uh, Chainsaw Man. We'll get into my picks in a minute. Um, best action, Demon Slayer, best comedy, Spy Family, question mark. Um, best drama, AOT, best fantasy, Demon Slayer. <laughs> uh, and best romance went to Kaguya-sama, Love is War. Okay, so that, that's the one I agree with. Um, there are a couple other ones that can fit in this category that were really pretty. Um, I mean, Dress Up Darling was nominated, did not win. Um, but then there's all the voice acting ones that go to different voice actors per language, um, by the way. So there, there's a lot of characters, a lot of, a lot of very good voice actors uh, for each role. And uh, yeah, um, really, really interesting overall. Um, if anybody is interested in looking over the entire thing, uh, go for it. I am going to now like go over my personal picks. Um, and things that should have been at least mentioned or um, 
brought in if they included the 2022 season. Um, that would have been, in my opinion, best score going to Bochi the Rock. Um, very good film. Uh, very, very good short series. It's about like a girl who has, once again, I, I don't know why this is a theme, but it is like uh, social anxiety. <laughs> um, the character has social anxiety, but can shred on a guitar. And it is just them learning how to be with a band, learning how to um, like learning how to synergize with people um, without really having to socialize for, for the most part. Um, and just kind of getting over their social anxiety. Um, it's pretty, pretty interesting. Um, so Bochi the Rock there. Um, Mob Psycho 100 should have been in best fight scene. Um, they did not give it best, best action there. Best animation. Yes, I understand. You do want to give it to Ufotable because Ufotable does a great job when it comes to animation. So uh, Demon Slayer is okay in that matter. Best opening sequence should have went to Kickback. Uh, which is the Chainsaw Man opening. If you guys have not seen the Chainsaw Man opening, um, do it. Uh, not only is it like, you know, a, a banger of an opening, but if you are a dumb film major like myself, um, you watch it, you will realize that there are shots and sequences from famous films and an art. Uh reference inside of the uh chainsaw man opening um and some of them are some of them do give like kind of like this premonition of things to come in the in the show um and i'm a film major i respected the play um it is also because tatsuki fujiboto the uh the author of chainsaw man big cinephile he, he will watch anything and and loves to reference film a ton. Um, so that is the reason why uh, the opening is like that. Uh, best ending sequence? Yes, sure. Give it a comedy. Um, I, I love comedy. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and yeah, so it's a very chill ending. Um, I was really interested. I was really like torn because best film did go to JJK Zero. I wouldn't give it to anything else. But the fact that um that kaguya sama love is war the love that never ends or the the kiss that never ends that's the full name of it was not even nominated for best film is kind of crazy um yes it did come out in december of for uh for the anime fans but for the u.s fans we didn't get it until uh we didn't get it until february because they had to do the dubbing um i watched it subbed anyways i watched it with my with my homeboy um and we spent the day after Valentine's Day watching Kaguya-sama Love is War. Uh, but yeah, that, that is definitely one that should have been at least in the running. Um, best anime song, once again, Bochi the Rock would have been in this running uh, if I got to pick. Um, best main character, sure, give it to Aaron Yeager. Could have been um, Isagi from uh, Blue Lock. I, I would have been okay with that. Or Shigeo as well. Um, Bleach is somewhere in the like that that's the other thing best supporting character should have went to either Aki or Power for uh for Chainsaw Man I think they would both be in the running um I get the the idea of protect at all cost character being Anya Forger that is okay I could also see Pochita in the running as well um even though Pochita is 
like there for one episode it it is a character you wanted to protect the whole time um but yeah it does feel weird i although i do love the anime awards and them stepping up and making it kind of a bigger deal i wish that they included fall 2022 if they had to push back the award season a little bit more to include that do it because at this point calling the 2023 anime awards the 2023 anime awards and not including the tail end of 2022 it just feels weird so overall i i think that it can be improved in terms of that and also i i think popular vote is is good and all but i don't think that it should be like the the final say in some of these things you know yeah, because I'm, I, I can see that because like a lot of people just vote for what's most popular, or you can get like a bunch of people like creating bots to to make something win. There's there's a yeah. there's a there's it makes it seem more democratic and more I guess um, interactive, but there's ways to abuse the system very easily. The way how I break it down is I still think that like. There are a lot of really good shows that fly under the radar, and I would love to have a I, I I would love to have a category that said like unexpected anime of the year or something like that, where it's just like a show that not a lot of people initially thought was gonna be good and then ends up becoming like a great anime to like pick up um and watch. Uh that that would have been Bochi the Rock for sure this year. Um Another thing that I did love that came out this year, uh, I mentioned it a couple episodes back, but Call of the Night was also uh, was also in some of the runnings for some of these categories. Um, if they had best art direction, I would have given it to that one, um, but that was not a category this year. So, um, also another thing, the personal personal pick, uh, best character design doesn't need to go to Kimetsu no Yaiba, um, even though. Yes, they do have a bunch of really unique characters. It should, in my opinion, have gone to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stone Ocean. Um, I think the characters are, you know, very unique in that fact, and being able to balance it out is is ridiculous. Um, so yeah, just personal takes. Would have included a lot of Chainsaw Man, Blue Lock, a little bit for the action scenes, uh, Mob Psycho 100 for the same reason and animation, um, and Bochi the Rock definitely needed to be referenced um this year but once again congrats to all the winners of the crunchyroll anime awards um i i do think that all the shows that were nominated and did win were like they were they were popular and they there's a reason why they are here um but it would be really cool to see if like there there were other awards to kind of highlight some of the ones that may have gone under the radar but yeah that's gonna wrap it up for the crunchyroll awards uh or the anime awards as people want to call it um well we'll see how they deal with it next year uh but yeah that that has been that has been it um for that so let's go ahead and talk about manga manga stuff okay um I did not know that this was coming out like book three was coming out anytime soon. Um, so let's talk about one of the weirdest books that I've ever picked up. And uh, just to let you know, book one was 
I, I picked up book one in Hinokunya in Japantown in LA. <laughs> oh, so the one that's that's close to me. Yeah, the one in Little Tokyo. I, w- I was it was like I think we went to like Disneyland or something mm. and we made a stop in in Japantown and I was like I have to do this. Um so that that was the call. Um anyways, the uh the series I'm going to be talking about is uh the the series known as My Dad is the Queen of All VTubers. Now <laughs> Uh, I know it's it's a weird title and it it's an equally weird premise, um, where you follow around this kid who is you know big into Twitch culture, really enjoys his uh enjoys a certain uh how can I describe it like has a very special affinity for this specific VTuber, and he's like oh man I I love I love her personality so on and so forth. Uh, then he comes home early from school and realizes that that's his dad. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's a it's a very weird, uh, it, it it's a very weird show. Um, and it if you guys ever do want the most over the top facial expressions, please check out my dad is the queen of all VTubers. It is a great read. It is hilarious. I think it is one of the one of the few mangas that like I've read and I've actually physically hurt from like laughing too hard. This it, it is bonkers, it is hilarious, and uh I would not put it past anybody to to skip on it. So if you do see copies of My Dad is the Queen of All VTubers, please check it out. Um it's very funny. And the uh, the author does a really good job. Actually, started posting on uh, like the original comics to Twitter before they ended up becoming, um, you know, a full fledged um, author and creating the the series where my dad is the queen of all VTubers. Um, so, yeah, uh, book three came out under the radar. It came out on a Thursday, which doesn't happen. Um, Actually, it came out Friday. It came out on March 3rd. Um, usually, book releases are on the 7th. So I was expecting it to be like, okay, it's on the 7th. I'm going to go and get it on the 7th. Um, they just slipped it past me, and they're like, hey, book three's out. And I'm like, okay, I got to go find it. So that's what I did today. I, I went to go look for my dad as the queen of all VTubers, book three, and I couldn't find it except for online. So I guess I'm ordering it from there. Um but yeah, that's uh, that that's the recommendation for this week. Uh, my dad is the queen of all VTubers. Check it out. Just the concepts that people come up with. <laughs> it is so funny. Like I, I don't think I have ever like not laughed at at a chapter of it. It is also a four coma, so it goes by quick. Mm-hmm. Um. It's like back-to-back jokes, really rapid-fire style. Um, and you also get to meet other random VTubers as well who are in there. Um, not necessarily like the one-to-one representation to um, to the actual real world. So like you're not going to run into like Iron Mouse or um, Nyaners and so on and so forth. But you, you, you do find certain like people who act a certain way. And you're like, okay, their VTuber model is like this, and this is how they, how they kind of like 
carry themselves. And it's the same thing for the main one. The main one is definitely based off of like Kizuna Ai, um, his dad. Um, <laughs> and so it's really it's really interesting to see how it how it plays out and how interesting it is. Um, but yeah, if if you if you want to die laughing, uh, my dad is a queen of all VTubers. Uh, just for you guys. Um, okay, let's go into the manga releases, the upcoming manga releases uh, of this week and next week. Um, not gonna lie, it is gonna be kind of dry going into this week um, and next week, just because uh, later down the line there is gonna be a lot more. So um, the manga releases for this week is the Elusive Samurai Five, Blade of the Immortal Deluxe Number Eight, Black Clover Thirty Two. Mushoku Tensei 16, Shaman King, Omnibus 12, um, and the beginning of Ayashimon, which is done by the same author as Hell's Paradise. Um, I'm slowly reading through Hell's Paradise right now, uh, but Ayashimon is done by uh, the same author. Very pretty art, so would recommend that one. Um, and then moving on to next week's as well, there is a couple of releases. Uh, the two that really stand out to me is Call of the Night 11, as well as Marshall 11. So if, you, if you're looking to get ahead on some of the uh, the animes of next season, I would highly recommend picking up Call of the Night and Marshall. Um, those are both really funny series overall. Um, the reason why it is going to be really slow, I'm just giving everybody a heads up. The 21st is kind of a bombshell of a week. Um, in other words, they are dropping a ton of books on the 21st, and then there's going to be a couple of them that trickle in on the 28th as well. So um, still a lot to keep in mind as you you might want to go pick up some of these books um, in the future. Um, I usually try to plan out what day I want to go um, and then just kind of pick up all the books when I'm out there. So uh, March 21st is either going to be the day or or the 28th, the week after. So um, I, I'm i more aiming towards the 21st and then seeing if I if I really need the books from the 28th um, or if I could wait until the next wave of, uh, of books. But yeah, 21st, big day. Uh, this week, a little slow. All right. And... Uh, the last thing I'm actually going to end this with is an announcement. Uh, Ooh, this, this is kind of kind of a big deal for me. Um, so if you guys do want to hear my voice on kind of like a bigger stage um, this weekend, your 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 caster is going to be the official broadcast voice of the Pokemon Unite March finals. Ooh. I will be commentating alongside uh, some of the biggest names in the casting world for Pokemon Unite. I am very honored, and uh, I'm I'm really excited to to be a part of this. So, um, congrats! This looking is, this forward pretty to big. looking forward to casting on kind of the biggest stages is something that I've been like aiming towards. Um, and yeah, um, it it was just kind of kind of out of the blue. They were like, hey. We we want to talk to you about these things, uh, and see if you guys do want to want to if if you really want to participate in something like this. And I'm like, yeah, yes, of course. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're we're starting to 
chat with the other casters starting to get used to everything um and we'll we'll see how it goes uh big day is going to be on uh on saturday um i have to shoot promotional material tomorrow or technically today um i have a cast early in the morning and then the rest of the day i'm just working on promotional material um my official announcement will be coming out on wednesday that'll that'll be like the big day that i'm allowed to kind of let everybody know um and then so on and so forth until yeah saturday saturday is going to be the big day i'm i'm excited uh i'm nervous a little bit because you know this is kind of the biggest stage that i've been on um but yeah i i'm excited to go ahead and cast the game that i love and uh hopefully it snowballs into something uh i wouldn't say more ludicrous but like something uh a little bit more stable later down the line as well congrats this is, this is pretty big i mean onward and upward from here right yeah i i hope so uh the the thing is i hope that like i i can leave a good enough impression because this is kind of like the second trial right so like mm-hmm. the 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 first trial is just like working your way through some of the uh some of the i guess the grassroots scenes because a lot of the pokemon uh company watches those because that that's kind of that's where the esports is right now yeah. um they provide all the stuff and then they're like okay well we want to try these certain casters um so this is like step two me getting to like be in the inner circle allow people to kind of talk to me and see what's going on um and then the last one would be if i do get invited to do something for worlds um which i've i've already planned out my trip um <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to uh, I have a friend who's really into, uh, you know, the Japanese culture and hasn't been to Japan. Um, so he's like, the the second that we found out that the Pokemon Unite World Championships is in Yokohama this year, he's like, let's start booking. Let's let's get our stuff together. I'm like, okay, let me know. <laughs> and so yeah, that's that's what we've been that's what we've been looking at. It's gonna be really interesting. Well, now that we've come to the end of our news topics, Kevin, your 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 traditional week of, or what am I saying? Advice time. That's what I'm trying to Advice say. Advice time. <laughs> uh, yeah. First of all, read read comedy. Uh, read read read. My dad is the queen of all VTubers. You will not regret it. Um, I I guess the the best thing to to say is uh keep grinding if there's something that you that you want to be that you want to do later down the line uh put in the work and and especially talk to people in the industry uh they will they will help you uh continue on forward and do do bigger things so uh i'm excited to take this step into you know the bigger pokemon unite scene uh we'll see how it goes and hopefully uh it it continues on into something more more fun all right guys thank you for tuning in for us this week be sure to catch kevin's stream on saturday and show some support um aside from that hope you have a good week um it's no longer super rainy or snowy in southern california and i hope the weather is good wherever you are thanks guys and we will catch you next week adios next week we bring you the latest news and stories from around the internet Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, 
please subscribe to us and rate us five stars on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can also follow us on all social media at TwigPod, that's T-W-I-G-P-O-D. And feel free to send us any questions, comments, or any suggestions of topics you'd like us to cover. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at Believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week in Geek. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.